All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Oilers Nation YouTube. As always, we are live. Sports1440.ca. Get us on uh, any of the apps. The Stingray app, iHeartRadio, Radio Player. So you can, uh, wherever you go, you can take us with you. And uh, it is uh, crystal clear all the time. So uh, radio, internet, YouTube. It's great. Facebook. Hello to everybody uh, watching on our uh, Facebook page as well. So don't want to forget them. We've got uh, people everywhere. I love it. Love it. And uh, most of them are in a pretty good mood as the uh, Edmonton owners have won 11 in a row. I wonder if you would have ever been able to have a prop bet at PlayAlberta.ca in regards to the winning streak of the owners. I might have to talk to uh, to Rick and the gang down at PlayAlberta.ca because right now, like you could put, okay, how long do you think the streak lasts? Like, you know, is it going to be 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? which would take them to the end of this month if they win their five remaining games against Seattle, Calgary, Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville. Then if they do that, they would have a chance to come out of the all-star break on the road in Vegas to tie the NHL record. Because that, for people have asked, it's 17 games set 31 years ago. By the uh, 1992-93 Pittsburgh Penguins, who won 17 games in a row. That was uh, also the year, though, they got upset by David Volek and the New York Islanders. The second round of the playoffs. So, 
You never know. But yeah, they won 17. The Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, 16. Uh, the Islanders of 82. The uh, Penguins of 2012 won 15 games. So, Oiler fans, there's only, uh, Oilers became the 32nd team in NHL history to win 11 straight games. Uh, if they win tomorrow, they'll be one of 19 to have won 12 in a row. The most recent uh, lengthy streak in the NHL was 13 games last year by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Florida had a 13-gamer uh, the year prior. So some uh, little winning streak history for you. PlayAlberta.ca might not have odds on the winning streak, but uh, you want to play your game, uh, whether it is uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, you name it, you can play it at PlayAlberta.ca. And if it's your first time, try and use the promo code SPORTS50 and you will get a free $50 wager at playalberta.ca. So uh, what a game. Hey, I'm going to just tip my hat to all those who were in attendance last night, whether you were cheering for the orders or cheering for the Leafs. It was loud. It was boisterous. It was a great atmosphere. The players loved it. They loved it. I wish we had more regular season games like that. It's the one thing in North America where we still haven't caught up to the Europeans. Their games, right? Or, or I shouldn't even say the North America, North American pro sports, because collegiate sports pretty loud. But when the Leafs come to town, all of a sudden, order fans like, "Oh, you want us to just cheer because? Damn right, I'm in." But they don't do it if there's no Leaf fans there. Just food for thought, something to uh, something to consider. Just the, uh, you know, the not waiting for the. The monitor to tell you, go, Oilers, go. Right? You don't need that. You're smart. You can figure it out. So get a few in the section going. And there's nothing worse than the fan is like, oh, look at that guy. He's trying to get us cheering. I don't want to cheer. I just want to sit here. Like, please. It was loud last night. Uh, my wife's never been to a Toronto game before. And uh, as we're driving home, she's like, this felt like a playoff game. It was like loud from and right from the get go, which is what we said yesterday on the show. I'll tell you, two seconds in the opening face off, there was the uh, the chance uh, orders go Leafs back and forth. It was great. Now the Leafs had an unreal start to that game. It probably could have been three nothing. Let's be honest. Bertuzzi, wide open net, hit the post, and you can't hit the post much clearer than that. Hit it right off, it comes right back out. And then uh, Skinner made an unreal save on Holmberg. The orders have won 11 in a row, but they've allowed the first goal in six of those 11 games. It is not a sustainable strategy. There's only three teams in the NHL who are who have a winning percentage above 500 when they allow the first goal. The orders are one now because they've won six of their last 11 games when giving up the first goal. And Colorado and Dallas have won 13 of 23 games when they give up the first goal. That's it. Like it's, so, it's not it's not sustainable. If the orders in this winning streak keep giving up the first goal, eventually they're not going to win. That's just the the numbers back it up. They go back last year, every other year. Scoring first helps. So I give the orders a lot of credit that they're able not to panic. They bounce back. Stuart Skinner's making some huge saves when you need it, and then they got a little bit of a break. The Leon Drysaddle goal. There's we've seen those games go the other way, right? Where the orders are playing well and then they give up a softy. Whether it's because defense makes a bad play, Ford makes a bad play, goalie makes a bad play. But last night, it was the Maple Leafs. Marty Jones said he didn't see the puck. Either way, dry subtle from a sharp angle. 
lists it over. And now, hey, Jones, by the way, we saw him stop Hyman on a breakaway. We saw him stop McDavid on a breakaway. He had made some pretty big saves too. Like that was one nothing after the first period. It might have been the most one nothing exciting first period I've seen all year. Like it was back and forth. It was awesome. The pace of that game was outstanding. It'd be great if these two teams played more often. I know they face off against each other in March and whatever it is. The It's a Saturday night in Toronto. I think it's 22nd or the 23rd, whatever the date is. But that was great hockey last night. It was entertaining. And uh, the orders give them credit. They're down to nothing. Dry saddle scores. Then uh, Ryan McLeod makes a great play to find Derek Ryan, who just found the soft spot in the low slot, buries it home. And then... On a rare show, how about this? Prior to last night, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Ryan McLeod had played a grand total of 106 seconds together all season. Now that can happen. Guys are on the ice after a power play and it goes to five on five, right? A power play still on and McLeod's on there. Or, you know, like how many times it could have been dry saddle uh, out there with McLeod and for whatever reason, McDavid's changing on the fly and he comes out with him. But 106 seconds over the span of, of uh, 39 games, it's not, we're talking like two or three seconds a game. Okay. It's, it's almost, it's basically accidental. But Chris Knobloch, to his credit, his coaching decisions last night played a big factor in the win. Offensive zone faceoff, he loads up McDavid, dry saddle and Kane. Not after a penalty kill, just on an offensive zone faceoff. Had a feeling it worked. A little bit of a lucky goal. Still, it worked. Then in a two-two game, after an icing, where guys have been on the ice long, McDavid stays out because he's got cardio. This ridiculous, and the coach decides to go with Drysaddle and McLeod. Not Drysaddle and Kane. Not Drysaddle and Fogel. Drysaddle McLeod. And pays off. McLeod comes behind the net, shows some patience, roosts it through a screen. Jones doesn't see it. Game over. Before Evan Bouchard uh, assaults him. Hey, an empty net goal in your fans. You're probably like, what is, what is this thing? He didn't miss the net. We didn't get a sh- shot blocked. But no, uh, Evan Bouchard from his own zone. Um, could have timed that one with a sundial, but hey, all that matters is across the line. And uh, the orders win their 11th in a row, of course, extending their uh, franchise record or longest winning streak. L.A. loses, so the orders now have a higher points percentage in the L.A. Kings. First time all season, the orders have a higher points percentage than the Kings. They're one point behind them in the standings, but they have a game in hand. They have also closed the gap considerably on the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the orders, second place home ice advantage now is well within their reach. Jack Eichel out for Vegas here for over the next few weeks. Vegas, four and six in their last 10. LA is one, five and four in their last 10. The orders have gained 10 points on LA in this winning streak. It's nuts. Actually, it's 12 points. My bad. 12 points. So that's a huge gap to make up. And uh, they'll, they'll play the, uh, the halfway point of their season tomorrow. You win, you jump out of the Kings. And then you would be four back of Vegas with three games in hand. So things are looking good, Oiler fans, after an ugly start a long time ago. But 
the starts almost become irrelevant now for the Edmonton owners. Uh, the owners, the other thing they could do is if they win their, uh, their next two games, like they're, they're 22 and six in their last 28 games. 22 and six. Now, if you're wondering what is the record for most wins in a 30 game span at any juncture of the season? The answer, 27, set way back when by the 1929-1930 Boston Bruins. Now, a few other teams have done 26 and 25. Oilers have a chance to go uh, 24. Not bad. Not bad at all. And uh, Chris Knobloch, 21 and 6 as a head coach. And I, you know what? I'll give Knobloch a lot of credit. He, a lot of his decisions are paying off. Look at what he's done with the penalty kill. He uh, empowered Mark Stewart to run it. They've gone to just four defensemen, basically, and six forwards. Now, Dreisaitl is playing about uh, 12 seconds less per game on the PK than he was early in the season. But earlier in the year, the Oilers had six defensemen playing over a minute a game. Now they've got four. Uh, Brett Kulak's numbers are down because if you've noticed... um, Kulak hasn't even been the fifth defenseman on the penalty kill lately because I remember when he blocked that shot. I haven't seen him on. Part of me wonders is, is he playing with a, like a tender foot? Cause suddenly he's not even the fifth option on the penalty kill. Now, Evan Bouchard's played a little bit, not a lot, but uh, a little bit. Like when one of those top four guys takes a penalty, like last night was Darnell Nurse, the, they start with the, uh, last night when Nurse is in the box and they'll start with that comb and, uh, DeHarnay. And they'll go down from there, and they kept him out a little bit longer. So Bouchard, I think he had maybe 48 seconds, 45 seconds of penalty kill time last night. That's good. I, one other positive I saw from last night's game, I thought that might have been Connor Brown's best game of the season. He was around the net a lot. I know that's not saying lots because he hasn't scored. I get it. But at least he was around the net. Now, like, now it looks like he might never score. Right, like, and I'm sure when he does go, like that guy better celebrate. I'll tell you, you go that long without a goal, you better be celebrating. No one would, no one would hold it against. I don't care if it's a five-one game and he scores. Heck, I might pull out the Tiger Williams, ride the stick, do something. You got to get fired up. It's been that long. Don't have a goal yet uh, with your new team, so you know the uh, the pressure is mounting uh, for sure. So. 833-401-1440 is the uh, the text line number. Uh reminder, thank you who have uh, participated so far. Uh we are now at 54% of our goal. And uh we basically just t- today was basically at this moment because that's when we when we announced it on the show on Monday, the uh GoFundMe for Robin Brownlee, which is awesome. You can go to sports1440, it's right on the front page, sports1440.ca. You will see it there and uh you know what? We're helping out uh, his his family. Of course, Robin passing away uh, unexpectedly with a massive heart attack last Thursday. Uh, leaves behind uh, Anna Lynn and uh, young son uh, Sam. Now he has a uh, an older stepson, Michael, who is uh, uh, doesn't live at home anymore. Right? Uh, he's got he's got his own place, so he's doing all right. But it's really for uh, for Anna Lynn and Sam, really looking out for their future. Uh, obviously, emotionally, it's been uh, a wreck. But uh, you know, there, there's a lot of challenges and kind of the the aftershock effects of uh, of losing a loved one like that unexpectedly so if you can uh, help out and i i look at the uh, the donations and you know what we've we've seen donations from five dollars all the way to a thousand and it all adds up so don't don't ever feel like whatever you can give is great honestly five bucks adds up we got a lot of listeners 
Heck, we would need like 10% of our listeners to do five bucks and you get there. It's pretty easy. So, um, you know what? Uh, everybody who's donating five bucks, 10 bucks, 15, 20, 25, 50, we got a few thousand dollar donations, which is amazing. Right. Um, and I noticed that uh, Robin made a pretty good impact. There's a former NHLer who wants to remain anonymous. So I'm not going to say their name who, uh, who made a thousand dollar donation just because of, uh, you know, how he treated him as a whole career when he played. So, uh, that was pretty awesome. Just, to me, that kind of goes to show a just shows the character of that guy, but also, uh, the type of reporter Brownlee was, uh, they respected him even, uh, even if he had to, to write when maybe you weren't playing your best. So you can go to sports1440.ca, uh, make a donation there. You know, and for fun, maybe just make your donation the amount of how many games you think the orders are going to win in a row. Right? Every listener's like, you know what? I think it's 15. Got a lot of $15 donations. We'll take them. Nothing wrong with that. Why not? Maybe you put it out there, put it out in the cosmic energy. Maybe you should put it up to 20 then. Just because. Why not, eh, Cons? If, if you put it out there, it's the only way it can happen. Well, why stop there? <laughs> this team will never lose again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can steal a line from Shorzy. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So, uh, there you have it. Thanks, everybody, who's made their donations already so far. And uh, we'll continue to do so in the uh, in the coming few days uh, leading up to uh, Robin's celebration of life, which uh, I think is going to be uh, publicly announced here in the next day or two. Uh, also, uh, big news, Pascal Siakam has been traded to the Pacers uh, they're going to get Brown Jr., a few other players, lots of draft picks, three uh, first-rounders, I think, uh, uh, I saw from Woj to uh, to outline this trade, Connor Halley. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam was was a really good player for Toronto during his time there. Really good player. I, I never thought he was a great player. And I'll admit, I, every player in the NHL, by standards of great, is great when you base it on the society. I totally get that. Right, you're talking the top zero 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 one percent. I understand, but as NBA players go, I don't have him as great. That doesn't mean it, that's not a knock because there's lots of really good players. But uh, you know, some people are like ah, oh, the returns underwhelming. I'm like, well, what were you expecting? Like, he makes a lot of money. He's a good player, maybe a really good player, but I don't see him as a great player. Where do you come out? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, Craig, I think I would have made this deal a while ago. I think I would have done it last year. Uh, maybe, you know, he's just a year younger. You have him for a year longer. Maybe the return could have been a little bit higher. But, yeah, he he's a guy who can hit big shots, but I don't know if he can be the guy. He was at his best, in my opinion, when he had uh, Kawhi Leonard there. Uh, Fred Van Vliet could take big shots with that team when they won the championship. Then, you know, you also had Kyle Lowry, but then Pascal Siakam was a guy that, you know, at times could slice and dice, get in there, get the two points, sometimes draw the foul. You can critique the return if you want to, but now the Raptors have four picks in the top 31 for this upcoming draft. Uh, they've got their pick. Well, oh. but their pick is, it's, they only have their pick if it's one to six though, right? Yeah, way out. And yeah. then, but then there's like the Pacers, you got the Thunder and then, uh, the Detroit Pistons, I believe, uh, for the second round pick. So, yeah, I mean, this is a move I think they had to make. I'm kind of confused in the direction that they went. You know, bringing in R.J. Barrett, obviously it looks like they're they're going to look to build for the future here. But a uh, good move, I think, Siakam. Uh, put him to a place where he can maybe play a little more competitive ball. Well, I think they're trying to, to retool a bit without just going scorched earth. And uh, so they get Bruce Brown, they get uh, Jordan Amora, they get uh, Gary Lewis, a uh, first rounder in 20, two first rounders in 24 and a first rounder in 26. Uh, the Pacers get Pascal Siakam and a second rounder from the uh, Pelicans 
and uh, the Pelicans. It's uh, to be determined exactly uh, what the what they're getting uh, in return. Um, you know, I saw an NBA they they gave the Raptors an A uh, for this return. Now he's a, you know he's a betting free agent. So when you look at it that way, it's pretty decent, right? Uh, you know, you, you go with quickly and R.J. Barrett. Uh, with some of the other young guys in the organization, obviously it's, it's going to look very, very different for the Raptors. We'll talk to Paul, sir, uh, um, you know, later on, uh, next week about that. So, uh, I'm kind of curious, uh, curious what, uh, uh, fans of the Raptors think. We'll see. Hey, Gregor, what are you hearing on Corey Perry? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it was at the rink yesterday. As I said yesterday on the show, it's no surprise to anybody. The orders are interested. Right. Uh, there is some interest, as we said yesterday, from the Corey Perry camp. But to, to say, are the orders at the front? I think people will be guessing. I think the orders are in a group of realistically probably five teams. Like, like, let's be honest on, you know, hey, some teams might not want them. Some, but I think a lot of teams would, would be interested. But, you know, Corey Perry will have the benefit of getting to pick and choose where he goes. Now, I know somebody, is he going to sign for the league minimum? That's where I'm a little curious. Look at his age. Go look at Pat Morris's contracts that he signs recently for players. Who is the last guy who just signed a bargain basement deal? Now, maybe this one's different because this guy's terminated. I'll, so I will give you that. And I know that Corey Perry's made a lot of money. I totally understand it. But if you can get... 1.2 instead of just 800, you might do it. Because there's no guarantee the team you sign for is automatically winning the cup. We all know that. You're playing the odds. So it'll be interesting. Uh, we got a great lineup for you today. Ross Mahoney, uh, Washington Capitals assistant GM, has been a long time scout, 34 years. Uh, he'll join us because he's got a, a huge scouting uh, honor. Uh, Matt Murray, the local product. Uh, got his first shutout this year in the NHL with the Dallas Stars. He'll be by. Uh, who is it Wednesday? Our guest today in Who Is It Wednesday has, um, well, he's, he's somebody who's been arrested. He is, um, has been uh, involved in the NHL for two and a half decades. Doesn't have a championship, but is very likable. Those are some of the tips today on Who Is It Wednesday. Quick break. We'll return on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 226, how are you? Welcome back. Sports 1440, Orders Nation YouTube, The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Also at Lotto 649 tickets, you can get yours tonight. Hope you're feeling lucky. Hey, maybe get on a roll like the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it's time now for our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter company that will take you and your team very safe to your next destination. Book your ride at silentrides.ca. Uh, our next guest has been a scout for over 34 years. He's uh, worked in the... Uh, Canucks organization, the Buffalo Sabres, and for the last 27 years has been with the uh, Washington Capitals. Uh, he was their director of amateur scouting for a while, and now he's their assistant general manager. Uh, we are happy to have on the show today Ross Mahoney. Ross, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. 34 years as a scout, man. You are a sucker for punishment, Ross. I love it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, um, uh, you know, you got a big honor that I want to talk about in a second. But um, 
man, that is that is quite the career in scouting. But you had a very unique entrance to get into scouting because there's a lot of people out there that are big fans of hockey that, you know what, uh, I know the game has changed a lot, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to follow your passion, even if you don't know that's what your passion is going to be. So take me a little bit down memory lane when it comes to uh, how you got into scouting. Yeah, I was uh, actually uh, accidental. Um, I had uh, you know finished playing college hockey in Regina and uh, got my education degree and started teaching. And uh, someone guilted me into coaching, uh, you know, to give back to the game, not just to take away from the game. So, you know, I, I started coaching, and it was at the Bantam level. And at that time, there was no uh, Bantam draft. We just listed players. Um, and the Mushar Warriors, Barry Trapp, was the general manager, asked me if I would. Uh, if I would scout, and I said scout, I, I I wasn't even sure what all that meant. And he said, "Well, you're coaching Bantam. You see a good player, you know, let us know. We'll put him on the list, and uh, we'll go from there." And then uh, Vancouver was looking for somebody uh, to do it part time, and so I got hired. Uh, got hired by Vancouver, and then uh, some teams were asking if I'd like to do it full time. So I uh, I went to the school board and got a leave leave of absence 30 years ago. Uh, did a couple years at Buffalo, and then uh, the last 27 I've been with uh, with the Washington Capitals. And you know, scouting has uh, has has evolved significantly. I would think, like I, I would, like back when you first started scouting, how did you get your reports in to the teams? Yeah, it, it boy, has it ever uh, evolved. Uh, when I first started with Vancouver and even with Buffalo, uh, you know, you'd go to the game and make your notes and go home and and uh, fill out a form in triplicate, and then you would send two copies into the office on Monday morning and keep one copy for yourself. Uh, so uh, there were no computers. You know, there were no uh, even cell phones weren't around at that time. Uh, so, you know, you, after a game, you'd also go back to your hotel, and the little red light would be blinking on your on your phone in your room, and you'd get all the messages and return the calls uh, the next morning. So, yeah, the technology has really uh, changed since when I first began. What about the scouting itself? Like the the games evolve so much, right? Like the, you used to look for you know big physical defensemen who could fight and you know maybe just off the glass and out. And you know nowadays you know there's so much about skill and you know, want puck movers all over the ice and you know you you want forwards who who play maybe a different style than ever before. As a guy who's scouted over the, you know, three different decades, what's been the biggest challenge for you to continue to grow and evolve as a scout? You know, I mean, uh, you're right how things have really changed. I mean, even scouting staffs have really changed. I mean, when I first started, the staffs were pretty small. And, you know, basically we had, the you know, the different leagues in North America. Um, and then we had, uh, you know, Russia, Sweden, Finland. And at the very beginning when I was there, Czechoslovakia. You know, now it's uh, really expanded, especially in Europe and in all the, you know, the Western League, the Ontario League, the Quebec League, uh, the USHL, they've all increase the teams that they have in their league so it's changed that way in the size of the staffs um, i think as far as you know in general with the scouting you want to try to stay ahead of the the curve a little bit and be aware of maybe rule changes which you know a number of years ago when we kind of changed the game and there wasn't as much hooking and holding and you know uh, especially kind of holding up people in neutral zone you know i think it really opened it up for maybe smaller players that were really skilled and they had quick feet and uh and could think the game really fast. So you kind of have to adjust your uh, your philosophy and, and kind of what you're doing a little bit, depending on, on rule changes also. Like I said, trying to stay ahead of the game and, and what's uh, which way the game's headed. 
Ross, I got a note from uh, from Shane Malloy, the Western Canadian Professional Hockey Scouts Foundation, and they, they had a big announcement uh, earlier this week. Uh, Patty, uh, Janelle, and yourself uh, both honored uh, in the you know from that uh, that Scouts Foundation. You, you've been around for so long. C- kind of tell me a little bit about you know. It, no, no one does a job to get recognized, but it, it's nice when someone recognizes uh, the job you've done. Yeah, it really is. And I, you know, the, the foundation just started about a year ago. Um, and I, you know, the idea there was to honor scouts past and present. Um, you know, we, we don't want to lose, uh, you know, some of these guys who were icons in the, in the past, you know, the Lauren Davises and Barry Frazers and Jerry Melnick, you know, uh, Patty Janelle, um, you know, and, and present day scouts like Mike Penny, Ron DeLorme. And so, you know, our thought process behind that was to uh, to have a wall of honor, and uh, we're fortunate enough to be able to do this in Okotoks in the arena. Um, we got a real good relationship there with the with the Okotoks people, and uh, you know, we also thought that you know all of us have been so fortunate to be able to to have a job and to work in an industry that we you know that we love. Um, we have a strong obligation and a commitment to give back to the charities and communities and individuals that we think could benefit from our uh, support and financial assistance. So it's almost twofold, you know, where you're recognizing uh, the scouts, like I said, from, uh, you know, from Western Canada and also be able to help, uh, like I said, the communities and and individuals and charities uh, that could use our help. We are joined by uh, Ross Mahoney. He's uh, currently the assistant uh, general manager of the Washington Capitals. Uh, has been uh, involved in the NHL for 34 years with Vancouver, Buffalo, in the last 27 with the uh, the Capitals. Of course, you, you were director of amateur scouting, so you, you know the pressure slash excitement it is. Uh, you know, especially when it comes draft day and leading up to it. But I kind of want to go back, like what in, in early days, or maybe it was year 10, or maybe it was year 15. Was there? One or two pieces of advice that you got from someone who really helped you improve as a scout? Yeah, you know what? I think probably one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, to, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you have to have the, the you know, the commitment and uh, you have to, you know, be willing to uh, put in some long hours. Um, it's a lot of time away from, from home. You have to have a real understanding uh, wife and children. Um, but I think, you know, sit back and listen you can learn a lot by listening you know and and i think the older scouts are always been they've been fantastic at mentoring younger scouts you know i'm sure in each each organization um so there's you know there's a lot that goes into it but i think being being a good team player you know being a good member i mean it's a scouting staff it's almost like a scouting team and you, you really have to respect each other because uh you know these guys are all they're all good scouts they're all proud you know they all play the game at some level and when you have meetings and that, they're all going to come with a different list. And but at the end of the day, you know your list will be the Washington Capital list, and you go out and, and you make some good picks, and uh, and hopefully you know keep the shelves stocked for your team. Who is the one or two guys that? Because I, I know I've talked to a lot of GMs, and they're like, "Man, I really like it when my scouts, you know, really go to bat for a guy, and it becomes a good, healthy debate and conversation. Uh, you know, whether it's on the draft table or the pre-draft meetings. Over the years in, in your scouting, has there been? And I'm not talking top five guys because I think those ones are, are necessarily a little bit easier at times. Although maybe there's more debate there. You never know. But who are some guys that that you looked at? You know, looking back that are, that you really uh, felt strongly about on draft day. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I guess I, when I look back at the team we had that won the Stanley Cup, um, 
I know our scouts really uh, had strong feelings about Braden Holpe and also Philip Grubar. You know, we uh, we had drafted both Philip and Braden in the fourth round, um, and they ended up, uh, you know, being really good goalies for us, and uh, you know, played a huge part in our uh, our kind of road to uh, to the Stanley Cup win that year. What about the Mike Green pick? Uh, you being a Western Canadian scout uh, way back, like, he was, I think he was 28th overall uh, in, in 2004. Maybe he's 29th, 28th or 29th. Uh, you know, he turned out to be an unreal defenseman, right? One of the few guys in NHL history to score 30 goals. What do you remember of Mike Green, the young D-man? And you look at, because he dropped late in, the, in that 2004 draft class. But when you think about it, Ovechkin and Green in the same draft class in the same round is a pretty good first round. Yeah, we got Mike there right at the very end of the draft, as you, or first round, as you said. Um, our Western Canada scouts, Daryl Baumgartner and, and also... Uh, you know, I had uh, Marty Puglia, Steve Bowman, you know, they're kind of crossing over into that area. And, you know, they really liked Mike's offensive ability. Uh, he could really skate. He had a tremendous shot. Um, you know, he had really good vision. Um, you know, the team he played for, Saskatoon Blades, at that time, they were, uh, you know, they weren't the strongest team in the Western Hockey League. So, you know, Mike played huge minutes, um, which was probably both good and bad, you know, with it allowed us to, you know, know that he would be able to do that in the future, you know, play big minutes. But uh, it was also probably a little bit tough on him. I think he'd maybe try to do a little too much by himself, trying to help the team out. But, uh, yeah, Mike was uh, played very well for us. I mean, uh, I think the one year Mike had 31 goals, which is yep. good for uh, for uh, defenseman in the National Hockey League. Uh, especially in the time when there wasn't a ton of goals uh, being scored. Uh, looking as a scout, when you're the director of amateur scouting, c- can you kind of give us a little peek behind the curtain, um, you know, to have the final say, do you view all the players? You, you, like how many views did you feel you needed on a player to have a really good, confident feel about them? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think sometimes it might depend on the player as to how many views you need, but you know, I think you try to get some views early in the season, kind of mid-season, and then uh, and then late season. Um, so the number really, like I said, it probably depends on uh, on the player. Uh, you know, in some players, maybe you end up with a few more views just because uh, they could be playing on, let's say, the Swedish, you know, under-18 team, and you probably see them play in three or four tournaments during the year. So you might end up with a few more views on a on a player like that. Ross Mahoney joins us. He is the assistant general manager of the uh, Washington Capitals. Uh, 34 years uh, as a scout and working in uh, in management the last 27 with them uh, just honored by the uh, Western Canadian Professional Hockey Scouts uh, Foundation. And Ross, uh, what would you, uh, if for people nowadays who want to get into the scouting ranks, how do you get in? What's the best advice that you would look for people and where's, where's the best place to start? You know, I... I kind of like the, the path that I took, you know, like I said, the accidental path that I, that I took to begin with. But I think, you know, you get yourself on with a, with a junior team, um, you know, and start working for them. And I, I think, you know, you end up learning a lot probably from the uh, veteran scouts on that junior team. And then, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you get the attention of an NHL team, you get on part-time and which leads to full-time, you know? So I think that would be my, my advice for a younger person would be, you know, probably get a hold of a junior team, um, whether it's in the Western Hockey League or, you know, a, a junior A, a team, and 
and start uh, going to games and, and start uh, learning. It's it's a uh, it's a process for sure, you know. And it's like anything else. I think experience means a lot. Um, so and that would be my, my advice too. And and you know what, be a sponge. You know, we just listen to what some of these veteran guys are are talking about. I mean, they're not going to tell you the secrets of their team, but there are, you know, kind of things in general, I guess, that go along with scouting that you can probably pick up on and and learn learn from them. Did you have a mentor or anyone who played a real big part in, in helping you become a better scout? You know, I was so spoiled. Um, when I got on with the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, Pat Quinn was the uh, president, the general manager, and the head coach. And uh, Brian Burke was assistant GM, I think, my first couple of years. And then George McPhee came in as the assistant GM. Um, you know, Mike Penny hired me. He was the director of scouting. And I kind of worked uh, under Ron DeLorme and Jack McCartan. Um, so I was so fortunate that, uh, you know, these guys were such not just great coaches and scouts and managers, but just unbelievable people, you know. And then I get on full-time in Buffalo, and I, and I go on to work with, uh, you know, John Muckler and, and Larry Carrier and Don Luce. And once again, I just thought, you know, what a what a lucky experience. I mean, you look at what John Muckler did in his career as a, as a coach and manager, you know. It's, like I said, I was so fortunate to be able to work with such high-quality people and such uh, – you know, really professional in, in, in the game. And they had so much experience and, uh, like I said, really, really fortunate. And then, you know, George uh, McPhee ended up hiring me in, in Washington, and it's, uh, it's been a fun ride. The organization has been, been great. One last one for you, quick, Ross, about uh, your Washington Capitals team. I think they've surprised a lot of people, you know, despite lots of injuries, uh, despite struggling to score goals. They just continue to win with sound defense, and, you know, you beat a lot of good people. Oh, they're going to start losing, and then you beat the Rangers, and then you beat the Canucks. And um, Give me kind of your thoughts and the evaluation, what you've seen in the first half from your Capitals. Yeah, you know what, I, I think uh, we got off to a slow start, like you said, and then we had a pretty good run. I think we went 8-1-1, one, and, one, and then uh, – you know, we've been, like you said, we've been battling those injuries. and But we got some high-character people in that dressing room. And, uh, you know, it seems like if somebody gets hurt, the next man up, you know, really steps up and contributes. I think, you know, we made a coaching change, and Spencer Carberry's come in, and a, a young guy is really intelligent. He's a, he's a great communicator. Um, you know, I think he's brought in some, some uh, you know, different systems. Um, the guys have really bought into it, and... Uh, it's it's been uh, it's been really good so far. It's uh, especially like you said with uh, all the injuries that we've had, especially to some of our uh, our key players. Well, uh, Ross, congratulations on the award. Uh, continued success with the Capitals. Appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. That is uh, Ross Mahoney, uh, currently the assistant general manager of the Washington Capitals, and uh, one of the uh, the first honorees for the uh, Western Canadian. Uh, uh, professional uh, Hockey Scouts uh, Foundation, uh, one of their first uh, honorees into really kind of the Hall of Fame for scouting for uh, Western uh, Canadian Scouts. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of driving. I hate to ask any scout out there right now, man, you put a lot of hours going from A to B. There, There's not a lot of short drives. Hey, think about it. If you're just in the, in the WHL, you're going from Edmonton to Red Deer. Red Deer's the closest one. But then you're going to PA. You're going to Saskatoon. You're going to Moose Jaw. Right, like at least when you get into Saskatchewan, you know it's it's a little bit shorter from place to place, but uh, there is a lot of hours, and some of those hours are not great in the middle of winter. 
Well, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's minus 35 out. You know, like one of the few cars on the highway trying to take the back road, maybe. It's uh, it's not for everyone, but uh, those who do it love it. And uh, I think it's great uh, what they're doing there to, uh, to honor a lot of these scouts. Uh, when we come back, what a thrill. Matt Murray, the pride of St. Albert, will uh, join us to talk about his first NHL shutout and more on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 2.47 as we continue on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube as we go around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's and did you know that all the uh, Greater Edmonton area McDonald's franchisees are uh, independently owned and operated and uh, they are huge sponsors of uh, Minor Hockey Week going on right now uh, gifting uh, all the kids and everything else a nice little uh, choice of uh, Ice cream cone or fries, uh, coffees they're handing out to uh, to everybody who comes in. Uh, they get back in the community a lot. That is McDonald's, locally owned and operated here in the Edmonton area. And uh, today uh, we're going around the NHL to a gentleman that started, uh, uh, I'm guessing, would have played. Uh, well, I'm not sure if uh, Edmonton Minor Hockey Week had the uh, outline areas around then or not. But, of course, uh, came up through the St. Albert Minor Hockey Organization, uh, played U15 with the uh, Sabres, then uh, U16 with the Flyers, went on to the AJHL for the uh, Spruce Grove Saints, then went to uh, UMass in the NCAA uh, as part of the uh, Dallas Stars organization and just pitched his first shutout last week. Uh, netminder Matt Murray joins us. Matt, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Did you play? Was Edmonton Minor Hockey? Were you were you allowed in then? Like was a was it was St. Albert part of it when you were a young buck? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I played in that many times. Uh, my sister played in it, and uh, other family in Edmonton played in it as well. Very familiar with minor hockey week. So, Maddie, were you were you a goalie right from a young age? When did you start ten in the twine? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much. From when, when I started playing, I think I was five years old when I asked for goalie pads for Christmas, and wow. uh, I was fortunate enough to get, to get some. So yeah, it's been a uh, been a long ride. Your parents never try to talk you out of it. Did you ever, at any point, when you were seven, eight, nine, ten, want to play out? Yeah, I think back then uh, we had to rotate goalies and, okay. and and whatnot. So so definitely had some time playing out, but uh, I always liked being the guy strapping on the pads and uh, staying on the ice the whole game. So stuck with it. Nice. Um, how were you as a skater? Like, were you a defenseman? Did you have any hands, or were you uh, more of a defensive-minded forward? Uh, I would, I would say I would probably have been a better winger than a defenseman. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'd like to think that I have pretty good hands still. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, I, I used to play a lot of shinny on the outdoor rink growing up too, so I was always, always passing around there. Now, a lot of goalies talk about, you know, you got to be a really good skater to be a good goaltender. How how do you work on to be a good skater as a goalie? Uh, I mean, that, it all comes down to practice, I think. Just uh, a lot of reps on the ice, different positions, uh, skating skating around. Obviously, growing up, they, they, you have to participate in the, uh, in the uh, conditioning skates with, with the whole team. So that definitely... Uh, definitely helped and then obviously your goalie specific work too uh makes a huge impact well the goalie specific work like i see that just the changes in goalie skates now like i saw they came in last year right they almost look like the you know you got the ski boot option if you wanted there's no even laces anymore i, I saw ranta and a few other goalies have had that just for a young guy just the evolution of the skate how much has it changed or benefited you at all 
I think it's definitely changed a lot for for myself. I remember switching from having the those white cowlings on your skates to going to no cowling. I remember when Bauer first offered that. Yeah. Um, and that was a pretty significant change, I think, just with how light skates are nowadays. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive for sure. Uh, Matt Murray joins us from the uh, Dallas Stars organization. What about the pads themselves? Like, were the pads that you wore, let's say, I don't know, for the Sabres, Flyers, or even for the Saints, did they weigh, they, like, how much heavier were those than the pads you're wearing today? Uh, definitely a little bit heavier. I think that that hasn't been too long ago okay. where it's still pretty margin, uh, a pretty marginable difference. Uh, I think when you look back into like early 2000s um, with like Heaton and everything still running around there, I think that's where you'll see the biggest difference from there to now. Has there been any other goalie gear that for you, because, you know, you played for the Saints in, in 2015-16, and so, you know, even a decade ago when you are playing midget AAA, or I guess technically you U18, uh, U16, has there been uh, any equipment that's been a major change for you? Uh, not really. I think, uh, I think just finding what works for you. I know a lot of guys like to stay very traditional and use similar products to what they've grown up with their whole lives. But, uh, I, uh, I'd like to kind of move with the times and keep things modern and try, try new things out, see what the innovation brings. And, uh, Unfortunate to find some, some find some good switches with that, and I think that definitely helps advance the game. Now, the reality of the goaltending position is, you know what? Uh, even when you're the starter, you're, you're still sitting out, you know, a quarter of the games, uh, sometimes more, depending on on the organization, right? So, there's a lot of time where, you know what, uh, you don't get to show yourself every game or not. How is it for a goalie? And when did you find out? Uh, here last week uh, from the coaching staff that you were going to play in that game against Minnesota? Like, did you find out the morning of the game? Did you know the day before? How'd it work? Uh, I found out the day before. I okay. think kind of later on in the day after skate. Um, just a little, hey, you're going tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, we have good communication line between the uh, goalie coach, Jeff Reese, here in Dallas, and then the uh, and obviously, the head coach, the board, and the assistants—they uh, all—they're all very good at at uh, keeping you in in the loop on, on how things are going. So, uh, just a quick, hey, you're going, and uh, good luck. <laughs> well, it worked out. Obviously, you pitched your first shutout. Now, uh, you know you you had your first NHL win and your first NHL appearance last March uh, at Chicago. You know, in a pretty historic building. So, I, I'm guessing that one maybe still ranks up there. But like, how does a, where does a shutout rank compared to your first game? Uh, I think it's got to be close second. Um, I was actually just talking about that the other day. Was uh, they were asking, is that was that your best hockey moment or or, or uh, NHL moment? And I'm still in a toss up between uh, that that first moment of the national anthem at the United Center on my first game. That was uh, that was pretty intense, and I'll never forget that feeling. And then also uh, having a shutout and. and and looking down 200 feet away is Mark Andre Fleury. So I yeah. think those two are are definitely up there, uh, side by side for that top spot. Well, yeah, you're out dueling one of the you know the great a, a goaltender whose you know achievements might never be matched. I'm not sure there's going to be another goalie play that many games to win 551. Never mind a thousand games. Like that's it's kind of crazy when you, when you think about it now uh, that he's played that much. As uh, Matt Murray joins us, uh, pitch a shoutout against. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury on and the uh, the Dallas Stars uh, earlier this month. Uh, sorry, in the Minnesota Wild earlier this month. 
as a goal, you mentioned that first game in Chicago, right? Like you're a young guy. Now you went undrafted, like a lot of goalies do, funny enough. And, you know, you just, you kept improving. And then you sign your, your, uh, you know, free agent uh, coming out of college with them. And you got into that first game last year. Matt, you, you mentioned the, the anthem. How long did it take for you to calm down in that game? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Uh, kind of just really just use the anthem to soak it all in. I think that was my moment uh, okay. in that in that period of time before the game started. It was just okay, look around, enjoy it, smile, get those nerves out, and then uh, and then once the lights come on, then it's go time. I think uh, having the extra years of maturity through college definitely helped me get to that point mentally. Matt Murray joins us. So Matt, the you know you're in an organization. Got Jake Ottinger, you know Scott Wedgwood. The, the goaltending position is a lot harder, you know, to get an opportunity because there's you know like there's only one net, right? Like there's two guys in the team, whereas there's six, seven defensemen, twelve, fifteen forwards. Do you need more patience to be a goalie, and are you naturally a patient person? Uh, yeah, I think obviously it's uh, it depends on the circumstances. Obviously, some guys. Uh, some guys get thrust into into situations in Excel, and other guys have to hold back and be patient. And, and when they get their opportunity uh, to to take over, then they do it. I think it's just a matter of opportunity. Um, yeah, I think uh, being able to be on the ice with with both Jake and Scott uh, for the past couple of years has been awesome. Definitely learned a lot from them, and uh, have to be able to share the net with them. How would you describe your style of play as a goalie to fans who haven't seen you? I'd like to say I'm a pretty calm game. I mean, some guys might might look at it and see and see it as kind of boring, but I I think that if uh, if I can be in the right spot and make things look easy, then I'm doing my job. I'd like to not not make it look like I'm swimming around and just get the job done quietly. The game has really changed in how they attack, right? Like it's a lot more east and west now. Teams are more patient. They really want to get goalies moving across. How do you counter that? And did, how, did you have to change anything here as a goalie the last few years and how you approach the position? Uh, I think it's 
I think the biggest thing is kind of what we touched on earlier is being is being a, an exceptional skater. Uh, definitely coming to pro, that was the biggest adjustment for me was uh, having to double down on the skating. I think uh, it's uh, it's such a fundamental part of the game, and it's it's so important, especially with how lateral things are nowadays. Um, I think from another point of view is just understanding the game, getting better on your reads, know where you are on the ice, where other guys are on the ice, um, and just being able to recognize certain situations. Matt Murray joins us. So Matt, you're you know you're with the uh, the Stars. You go back at you know it's well it's still the Stars, but it's the uh, the Texas Stars. How how do you approach it? Like everybody wants to be in the NHL. Um, how, how do you do it to ensure that you get back and and you don't uh, get disappointed by being in the American League? Um, I think the American League is still one of the best leagues in the world, uh, and you're still with with that organization. And every single game, uh, management's watching, coaches are giving feedback, and uh, and if you win hockey games at, at the American League level, you're most likely going to get opportunity to win games at the NHL level. So I think that's the biggest thing. Now, having gone up and down here for the last few seasons, like outside of maybe the skill of the high end offensive guys. Is the game noticeably a little sloppier in the American League, and is it harder to be a goalie down there at times because you don't necessarily know where guys are coming from? How does it work from a goalie's perspective? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's sloppier. I'd say it's just it's a different game. I think it's uh, at, at the the NHL is obviously the pinnacle of professional hockey, and everyone's bigger, stronger, faster. Um, where in the American League, guys are still developing. And, uh, and working on those skills. So it's a very different game. I think uh, compared to the NHL, I think it's a little bit of a slower game. But, I mean, it's still, it's still really impressive uh, what, what these guys are able to do on the ice. And, uh, yeah, definitely a little bit of adjustment. Um, but it's still, still hard hockey for sure. How is hockey in Texas? For the stars, I, I you know, for somebody, you know, you, now you went to, you know, you came from the Saints and then you went to to UMass. Uh, you go to Texas, and some people are like, nah, I'm not sure how how do they how do they go about hockey? How different is it for you playing hockey in Texas, where I'm guessing it's fairly warm most of the time? Uh, I mean, when you only really have one week where it's in the in the negatives all year, it's pretty it's pretty good lifestyle. Obviously, <laughs> uh, I love the area out here. Uh, and the fans have been amazing, both in Dallas and in Texas. Uh, I think both both buildings are selling out consistently. Uh, the support's been been amazing. Sure, there are less few rinks around uh, than than I was used to growing up, but uh, definitely doesn't seem to shy away from the fan support at all. And uh, what do you make of these stars? I'm a and uh, what do you make of these stars? I'm a huge fan of the stars neon unis. As a goalie, do you like it? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never really been in an organization where a primary color is black uh, for jerseys, so it's uh, it's kind of a fun switch up for me. Hmm. Um, I've never really worn all black uniforms before, so uh, I think I think they look pretty sharp and uh, and pretty fast on the ice for sure. Are they slimming? I think so. Anything black and only slimming. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Well, Matt, uh, continued success. What? Um, who? What, what was the maybe uh, the best or funniest text you received after uh, posting your first NHL shutout? Oh boy, um, my phone was was going off pretty crazy. I actually had to throw it on Do Not Disturb for a bit, uh, so I didn't I didn't uh, caught on it the whole time. Uh, 
I don't know. I think every everything that comes from your family is always huge. Um, I'm a huge family person. Uh, take a lot of pride in uh, in making them proud. So hearing hearing from all of them was definitely uh, the best part of it. Who in the Murray family is like you know is the most nervous fan when they watch you play? I'd say probably my mom. And is she the, is she like the most supportive, or who's the one that uh, you know is, is maybe the the best post game conversationalist for you? Uh, I'd say yeah, she's definitely up there with uh, my dad as well, and then my and then my grandpa's uh, uh, too. I think uh, they're always they always got something to say. Always a good game text at the very least. Um, nice. I normally I normally call my my mom and dad after after every game just to say hi and. And whatnot too, so definitely those for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, continued success, and and hopefully that's the first of any shutouts in the National Hockey League. Yes, hopefully. Thank you. That is uh, Matt Murray, of course, uh, from St. Albert. Uh, Pitch a shot. Imagine that. So it was only his fourth NHL game. He won his first ever NHL game uh, in Chicago last year. Uh, got called up in March. Uh, had three appearances last year. Won two of them. And uh, then this year, it's now, was last minute publicly announced, but as uh, Matt told us, he found out the day before. So he's going into play, and he's playing against Marc-Andre Fleury as Fleury's chasing down second-placed most wins in NHL history. And he pitches a shutout. That, like, though, there's certain moments that you have in your life that are just, you know, obviously if he ever wins a Stanley Cup, Calder Cup, I get it. Those those will be a massive team awards, but something like that when you uh, out-duel Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, without question, uh, a surefire Hall of Famer for your first ever NHL shout-out. It's a pretty cool moment. I love it. Uh, 3 o'clock when we come back. Who is it Wednesday? We uh, we gave you a few hints earlier. Uh, the jail one seemed to maybe uh, throw a few people off. Well, that's fine. Somebody's very popular. Uh, has never won a championship, at least not that I'm aware of. Right, uh, being involved in the NHL for uh, for over 25 years, um, I would say is one of the more popular people in Edmonton right now. Who is it Wednesday? Let's get to Connor Halley on a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 